well, hey, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers at Regency. I just wanted to thank you for checking out this message. We're praying that God uses this message to draw your heart closer to Him. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we want to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you'd like to find out more information about Regency or to check out some other resources, visit our website at regencycc.org. So could you imagine how intense and exciting it must have been to be one of those early followers of Jesus, especially if you lived during the time that Jesus was actually on this earth? Can you imagine how exciting it must have been to leave everything that you've ever known and you're going to follow this guy named Jesus? And you go around with him and you see all of the uh, miracles that he's performed. You've seen him raise people from the dead. You've seen him make lame people be able to walk, blind people that can now see. You've heard all the teachings and how it's just really revolutionized your life. But then as you go along, some things happen and things kind of take a turn for the worse. There's a group of people that doesn't like Jesus and they come and they arrest him. And they put him on trial and then finally they sentence him to death. And they lead him out to a place called Golgotha. They raise him up on a cross and they kill him. You're crushed. You don't know what to do. Three days later, Jesus comes walking through the door. He's alive. He's raised from the dead. And man, you are on top of the world. Your Savior has conquered death. He truly is the Lord. And he's with you for a couple of weeks and he does some more teaching and he appears to a lot more people and there's a lot more people that are following Jesus now than had before. And then he ascends back into heaven, but before he goes, he says, stay here in Jerusalem, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And so you do, you wait there in Jerusalem. And then on the day of Pentecost, when thousands of people have made their way into Jerusalem, all of a sudden the room is filled, the Holy Spirit comes in, the Holy Spirit fills your life, and you know it and you can feel it, you can tangibly feel the Holy Spirit within you, your faith is set on fire, you walk outside, Peter and some of the other disciples, they begin preaching in the name of Jesus, and they're connecting this story of the Bible all throughout about how it's all about Jesus, that They had crucified him, but God had raised him from the dead. And 2,000 plus people give their lives to the Lord that very day. And it's exciting. And and then in the coming weeks and months and that first year or two, there's just thousands and thousands of people that are giving their lives to the Lord. They're being baptized into Christ. Your movement is growing. It's exciting. It's multiplying. And there's a lot of craziness that goes on too, because if you've ever led a fast-growing organization, you know it's not smooth, but you're figuring, it, you're figuring it out on the fly because you're being guided by the Holy Spirit and you've got uh, amazing men and women that are helping discern what God's will is. And it's just a really exciting time. Can you imagine how awesome that must have been to be one of those early followers of Jesus? Well, not everybody was excited about this whole Jesus movement thing. In fact, there was a group of people who believed that Jesus was, of all things, the Antichrist. They didn't think he was the promised Messiah and Savior of the world. And so they went on this mission to try to end this Jesus movement. And there was a young man who really became the face of the persecution of the Jesus movement. This young man's name is Saul. And they kind of looked to Saul for their authority And Saul really begins to lead this persecution movement. We meet Saul in Acts chapter 9, 
the first two verses. And here's what we learn. It says, But Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and he asked for letters to the synagogues at Damascus that if he found any that belonged to the way, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem, where he was then going to throw them in prison. There's a really interesting line in in verse 2 that you could quickly pass over. Anybody belonging to the way. That's a term, the way, that we don't really use a lot when it comes to church. We use the term the way a lot, but we don't use the term the way a lot in describing us. And I find it really interesting that these early disciples describe themselves as people belonging to the way. In fact, in the book of Acts, five times the author Luke is going to refer to these disciples of Jesus as the way. He doesn't refer to them as the church. He doesn't always refer to them as believers and disciples, but he specifically picks out this term, the way, to describe these early followers of Jesus. The way. I don't know what you think about when you hear that term, but I think about direction. And I'm an individual who is directionally challenged. There are many times where we will go somewhere, place that I have even been before, and I will get turned around. And I will ask Haley, which way do I go? She'll say, go this way, turn right, turn left. Sometimes I don't even have to ask. She can just tell when I pull up to the intersection. There's like this panic in my eyes of, I I know where I'm at, but I don't remember if I go this way or this way. And sometimes she'll just say, right, thank you, and we'll go. I live on the Maps app on my iPhone, and I really don't know how I survived without that app. I remember back when I was in college, I got a job, of all things, can you guess, as a delivery driver, as a directionally challenged delivery driver. Well, that's not a good combination. And I kept that job for a few years. I don't know how. Well, actually, I do know because I got bailed out a lot of times. Now, this was before we had smartphones. This was before we had Maps, the Maps app and the Google Maps app. This was back in the time of MapQuest. You remember MapQuest? And I know some of you after the service will probably come up to me and be like, well, in my day, we had the Rand McNally road map and we would drive down the road trying to figure out where we were. And you think that people being on their phones is dangerous. Imagine having a gigantic map trying to figure out where you're going. But needless to say, we had MapQuest. But as a delivery driver, I didn't want to have to use MapQuest all the time because that can be pretty confusing too. So we had these little Nextel phones. They're basically like walkie-talkies. Anybody in here ever have a Nextel phone? Those were awesome. I wish they'd come back. It is basically a walkie-talkie. Well, my dad, who didn't work for that company, he worked for a different company, he had a walkie-talkie phone. And so pretty much every day when I would get in the van and I've got my deliveries and I've got all the paint in the back and i got to take it somewhere around Montgomery area, Tauga County, Elmore County area, these random little communities and businesses, I'd get in the van, and I'd look and see where I'm going, and then I'd beep him. And I'd say, hey, Pops, it's your favorite son. He always knew who it was. And I'd say, hey, this is where i got to go, going to this place. My dad is like a human roadmap. It's amazing. And he'd come back, and he'd say, well, you're going to take this road. You go a couple of miles, and you're going to see this gas station that's got a red roof. When you see the red roof, you're going to take a right. 
You're going to go down about three quarters of a mile. And on the left side of the road is going to be this broken down truck. It's been there forever. Exactly two tenths of a mile after the broken down truck, you're going to come to this road. Turn down this road. Then you're going to go about another mile and a half. And what you're looking for will be on your left. If you get to the other store, you've gone too far and you've missed it. I mean, it's amazing. And it didn't matter where I was going. He could give me detailed directions. And I appreciated it because what he was telling me is he was saying, this is the way to go. Go this way. The way is about direction. Now, I want us to think this morning, how did these early Christians, how did these first century believers get the name the way? And not only how did they get the name, but why is that the term that Luke picks five times in the book of Acts to describe this group of early believers? I believe it was a couple of reasons. First off, I think it's because simply the fact that they were following Jesus who described himself as the way. Do you remember the statement of Jesus in John 14, 6, where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So they were following the way, the one who would lead the way. But I also believe it's because what they were a part of, they viewed as a movement. They viewed as something that was growing, something that was moving in a certain direction. So there's this really interesting scene in Matthew chapter 16 between Jesus and his disciples. And here's what it says in verse 13. They came to this district of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Jesus did, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, is? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, who's come back from the dead. Others say you're Elijah, who's come back from the dead. Jeremiah, one of the prophets, they have a real fascination of thinking Jesus is a guy who's come back from the dead. But he asked them, well, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter gives that awesome confession. He says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates, I said that kind of weird, church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That word church is really interesting. The Greek term is ekklesia, which means the called out ones, the ones who have been called out. Now, I think it begs us to ask the question, what are they being called out of? Well, Peter actually himself gives us the answer later on in his letter, 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, where he says that we have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Paul carries the same thing in Colossians 1 and verse 13, where he says that we have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. This idea of being called out of darkness into light, of moving from darkness to light, of our way being changed, our direction being changed, is a theme that runs all throughout the Bible. You can go all the way back to the book of Exodus. And even there in Exodus, you're going to find God's people, Israel, who have been called out of Egypt, where they were living in slavery, and they're being called into new life in the promised land, in Canaan. God was leading them out of the old and into the new. And that theme runs all throughout the Bible. When you get to the life of Jesus and you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that one of the major themes of Jesus is Jesus calling out of the darkness into his kingdom, out of the darkness into the light. It's a calling. And the good news that Jesus preached, the good news of the kingdom, 
is that we are now in the light. We have left the darkness and we are moving into the light. We have been transferred and rescued, Paul would say, from darkness into light. And that is the mission statement of Jesus. It's what he came to deliver us from and lead us into. And it requires movement. And so sharing the good news is not just about something that you do, but it's about actual movement where you're moving out of the darkness of sin and into the light of the life of Jesus Christ. And I firmly believe with all of my heart that these early disciples, when they called themselves the way, that it's because they were on a movement, that they're, that they were all headed into uh, the same direction. We're headed out of darkness and we're headed into life. That for them, church was not a place that they went. It was who they were and something that they were a part of in a direction that they were headed. But for us, we use that term church a little bit differently. We describe it as a place that we go of something that we do. In fact, maybe you said this morning to somebody, I'm headed to church. Hey guys, come on. We gotta, we don't want to get to church late. And for some of us, it's become a location. It's become a place and not a way. And maybe even greater than that and uh, more unfortunate is that our weekly appointment at this place can sometimes have little to no impact on the rest of our week and the rest of our life. That it's somewhere we show up to and we do a couple of things and go through some motions and then kind of go on about the rest of our life when we get done. And I think if if those early Christians, those followers of the way, were to experience that, they'd say, what are you doing? What are you thinking? It's more than that. It's more than just showing up to a location once or twice a week. It's about a different way of living. How did they get the name the way? It's because they were headed a different way. This group of followers was headed a different direction than most of the people that were around them. And so this morning, I want us to consider what does it mean to be a part of the way? That line that Luke used in Acts 9 and verse 2 where he said Saul was going to go find anybody that belonged to the way and he was going to arrest them. I want us to think about what does it mean to belong to the way? Not what, is it, not what does it mean to go to church? What does it mean to belong to the way? What does it mean to be a part of a movement of people that's headed in a different direction than others. Well, I think there's a couple of things that it means to be a part of the way. First off, it simply means that if you're a part of the way, your life is headed a different way. It's headed a different way. There's probably been some times in your life, especially if you've been a follower of Jesus for some time, that there's been a situation that's come up where maybe you've been asked to do something or go to a certain place and you've made the statement uh, no, I, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, no, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be a part of that. And they would generally ask you the question, well, why not? And now you've gotta give a response for your conviction. You gotta tell them why you are choosing not to participate in a certain behavior or not to go to a certain place. Or I can't make this meeting because of something else going on. Why not? Well, there's a couple reasons. Uh, God doesn't want me to do that. Bible told me not to do that. Um, you know, my mom wouldn't appreciate that, right? And those are all good reasons, but I firmly believe there's actually a greater reason. Something that Paul's getting at in Colossians 3. 
Colossians 3, Paul says this. If you have been raised with Christ, if you've given your life over to Jesus, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth, because you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Why are there things that you do and don't do? Yes, it's because the Bible said so, but it's also because your life is headed a different direction, that as a follower of Jesus, you made the conscious decision where my life was once headed this way in darkness, now I am headed into the light, and my life is headed a different direction. I'm not going to do that because that's not the right direction for my life because I'm following Jesus. My life has been covered in Christ. It's hidden with Christ. When people look at my life and look at your life, they should see Jesus. And not only that, but my mindset has changed. It's not that I'm not going to do that. It's that I don't want to do that because that's not, one, what God wants, and two, that's not what I want anymore. It should result in a change of mindset. My interests are different. My dreams are different. My goals are different in life. It's not all about just making me comfortable and achieving exactly what I want out of life. It's about how can I bring glory to God? How can you bring glory to God? How can we walk closer with Christ every day? How can we grow in our faithful community with each other? And living in America and living in 2020, that can become a challenge because some of the messages that we receive are conflicting. It's about that American dream and greater comfort. It's about what you want because you are, you are the God of your own life. But as a follower of Jesus, we're called as a part of the way to head a different way. Because we're seeking what's above. Because we're waiting for that moment when Christ will appear. As Paul said in Colossians 3 verse 4, we're going to appear with Him and see Him in all of His glory. We'll be like Him. It'll be amazing and beautiful. Different motivations different dreams and goals now because we're all headed a different way. I think the second thing that it means to be a part of the way is that your life is constantly on the way. It's constantly changing, never arriving, constantly growing. So this past week was the NBA draft. And there were a group of young men who were selected to join an NBA team. And it has to be one of the highlights of their life that all of the hard work that they've put in as little kids and as high schoolers and as collegiate athletes, now they have arrived and they have joined and been picked and selected to join an NBA team. And now they can just take their foot off the pedal and not really train anymore. They've instantly become millionaires and now they can just sit back and relax because they have arrived. No, you know that's not true. There's no way. In fact, anybody that does that will be out of the league faster than they walked into the league. That just because you got drafted doesn't mean anything. You have achieved a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, in terms of greatness, you have achieved very little. Because no one compares greatness to they made it to the league. It's no, they've become the greatest of all time. And so those young men are going to work harder than they've ever worked before. They're going to study the game more than they've ever studied before. They're going to become masters of this sport. And the ones that have that rare ability will rise to be the greatest of the great players, partly because they will outwork everybody and partly because of the gifts that God has given to them. They haven't arrived. They're constantly growing and working to improve even just 
a little bit. I think that's a great analogy for us as Christians. I know when I was a lot younger and I was baptized into Christ that I had this thought, all right, it's all downhill from here. Easy. I'm now a Christian. The hardest thing I had to do was get baptized. That was my naivete. That was the easy thing. And it took a long time for me to build up the courage to make that decision to give my life to Jesus. But that was simply the beginning. That's like in the race when you walk up to the starting line and they say, go. Baptism is the go. It's not the finish line. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of the journey. And the journey of a a follower of Jesus is a lifestyle of constant change. Little decisions that become big moments and influences in our life. And figuring out how can I make better decisions that are more pleasing to the Lord. How can my life tweak just a little bit to be more pleasing? And that the longer I am a Christian, the more change I should see and the more change that I should experience. That's a challenge for some of us, because some of us don't like change. We don't like change at all. But yet the life of a Christian, the life of a follower of Jesus, to be a part of the way, means to go away in which your life is constantly on the way. You've never arrived. You're not at your best self. You're constantly tweaking and adjusting and improving. As you study God's Word, your understanding is growing, and maybe your understanding is changing. And the decisions that you once made and the the dreams and goals you once had, they're now different because you're maturing as a believer. And what once was a big deal is not as big of a deal anymore. And now other things that weren't a big deal then are now a big deal now because you're constantly changing. The scary thing is that if you've been a Christian for an extended period of time and you look back and you don't see any change, that's the scary part. The scary part is not that we're called to a life of change, but that we could live a whole life and never change. And so our life as a part of the way must constantly be on the way. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18 that we're all beholding Jesus with these veiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, and that we're being transformed into the same image, into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. I love that line, one degree of glory to another. It's incremental. It's small. It's like slight, subtle changes. But that word transformed means to be changed. And so we're on this lifelong, slow process of being transformed into the image of Jesus. And what you should see over your life, from the moment you became a follower of Jesus to the moment you meet Jesus face to face, is you should see one degree of change after another. And sometimes we regress and we go backwards because we get caught up in some type of sin or we're not maturing like we should. And that's when we repent and we're headed back towards Jesus and we see slight changes along the way. I hope that over a course of time that you'll be able to see radical changes one degree at a time. So as a person who is a part of the way, if you belong to the way, I want to encourage you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Get comfortable with your life constantly changing because that's what we're called to do. We should not be the same person that we were a year ago, five years ago, 50 years ago. And honestly, church, we shouldn't be the same person now that we were an hour ago. That if what we're doing here really matters, then it should impact us and it should change us And we should walk out of these doors 
as a part of the way, as people who are on the way, as people who are living a different way. Because that's how powerful the gospel of Jesus is. It changes us from one degree to another. So I told you about that young man, Saul, that we met in Acts chapter 9. He was on his way to Damascus. He was going to find as many people that belonged to the way, and he was going to throw them in jail. And on his way there, Jesus appears to him. The one that he thought was not the Messiah appeared, and Saul instantly realized, Jesus, he's really the Savior. And from that moment on, Saul's life radically changed. The direction of his life made a total turn, and he headed in the opposite direction. His life went a completely different way. For you, which way is your life heading this morning? And are you good with the direction that your life is going? Maybe this morning you want to make a change. You want your life to head in a different way. You want to make some different decisions. Maybe you want to begin your journey with Jesus Christ, and you want to be baptized today. We'd love to assist you in that. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you so that you can have the courage and the faith to make those changes that you need to make, that you've been putting off for a while, but you know you can't keep going that direction in life. We'd love to assist you there as well. Maybe you just want to talk to somebody privately to have them pray with you and to walk with you and encourage you. Then we, we want to help you with that as well. That's what it means to be a part of the way, that we're all headed in the same direction and we're encouraging one another as we walk together towards Jesus. But folks, don't leave here today the same person that you walked in as. Allow God to work in your heart to transform your life today. And if we can help you anyway, publicly or privately, please let us know as we stand and sing this song.